Welcome to Prajna Sparks, a podcast where we listen to a Dharma talk, contemplate with our minds and in our hearts, and engage in guided meditation. In this episode, we continue our series on the six Mahayana paramitas, transcendent virtues that form the building blocks, the lifeblood, the very breath of the Mahayana Buddhist path. Every episode of Prajna Sparks takes hours to plan, record, and edit. Can you give us a bit of your time today to subscribe and review our podcast? Alongside your own practice, this is the very best possible offering, as it helps the Dharma reach new listeners. We've arrived now at the fifth of the six Mahayana paramitas, namely dhyana in Sanskrit which is often translated as meditative concentration, meditative stability, and the like in English. It refers to the various techniques prevalent throughout all Buddhist traditions for calming the mind, the turmoil, the unrest, the turbulence that comes from following this and that prompting due to the kleshas or afflicting emotions, and the karma, intentional action driven by those emotions. So from the perspective of the Karmakagyu lineage of Tibetan Buddhism, any kind of dualistic perception is mistaken. It's not only mistaken, it also roils the mind, like the surface of an ocean during a storm, rather than being pacific, easeful, calm, still without waves. Dualistic mind is always turbulent, splashing about, pulling and pushing. This causes immediate impact on our minds, which we can see whenever we're in particularly turbulent situation. Even in situations that go under our radar, mind, relative to its natural tranquility, is often at unrest. Dualistic mind compared to the natural tranquility of the nature of mind itself, is considerably less restful, less still, less clear and lucid. Dhyana paramita, the transcendent perfection of meditative concentration, of meditative concentration, is about developing the blissful ease of inhabiting mind's natural tranquility and experiencing the clarity and lucidity that is a natural consequence of resting in mind's true nature. The very purpose of dhyana paramita is to set the stage for the sixth and last Mahayana paramita, pranya paramita, the transcendent perfection of precise knowing, the knowing intrinsic to mind. Dhyana paramita and prajna paramita are often in our lineage of the Karmakagyu, with its emphasis on Mahamudra meditation, paralleled to shamatha and vipassana, two Sanskrit words, tranquility and insight. Tranquility meditation is a style of dhyana practice, meditative concentration, while vipassana is a style of pranya practice, insight or precise knowing. All Buddhist traditions have this twofold, hand in hand set of practices a dhyana practice that focuses on stillness and concentration, and an insight or knowledge practice 
that focuses on clarity, lucidity, and knowing. Tibetan Buddhism typically focuses on shamatha, called tranquility meditation or calm abiding and the like. But there is similar practice in Zen, for example, such as Zazen, or in the practices of jhana in the Pali traditions. The difference is as to the technique and the styles that are used to bring ease to mind. They all are a part of dhyana practice, the practice of bringing the mind to stillness and easeful rest in its own nature. That in and of itself gives us a sense of balance, a scaffolding for the mind's clarity, lucidity, and knowing quality to work from. The example we often hear is like a butter lamp. A butter lamp is similar to a candle except that butter lamps traditionally in Tibetan culture are simply oil with a wick in it poured into a bowl of some kind, glass or metal. So the butter lamp itself can bring some clarity. It's got light when it's lit. But if the butter lamp is kept close to a window where the wind is constantly tossing it about, or if it's outside exposed to the elements, the light is not able to stay very steady. The light that it casts is thus quite patchy. It moves here and there. Some areas go in and out of light. Some areas don't get the light at all. The idea behind dhyana practice is to steady the mind into its own natural rhythm, its easeful bliss, which allows the light of mind, the knowing quality of mind, its inherent lucidity to shine without disturbance, without turbulence. Now that light can be strong, steady, and powerful, and it can light our experience. It can show what is happening around us with a lot more precision, clarity, and a lot more reliability. All of these practices of meditative concentration are meant to hone mind's natural depth stillness, and ease, bringing forth the lucidity and the sweetness that comes of being in tune with mind's natural rhythm. Mind thus becomes more focused, more concentrated, more workable. It can be turned to anything with great intensity. In addition, this fifth of the six Mahayana Paramitas joins the first four in comprising the paramitas corresponding to upaya, a Sanskrit word which means skillful means, the techniques that we implement in the world in order to actually engage in the practices of the Buddha Dharma on our way to attaining liberation and Buddhahood. The sixth paramita, prajna paramita, which we will discuss next time, completes the first five. So you can think of these as the first five being the paramitas in action, the actual activities involved in the world as we interact with others. All of the generosity we engage in towards ourselves and other beings, the ethical discipline with which we apply our actions in our communities and in society, 
patience and forbearance that allow us to interact with all of our experience with a sense of welcome, acceptance, and steadiness, the diligence with which we apply ourselves, all of those very much a part of our everyday activities. Dhyana Paramita rounds those out by complementing everyday activities with on-the-cushion activity. You could say that Dhyana Paramita, the various practices of meditative concentration, are refilling the tank of resilience, energy, equanimity, and so forth that we draw on throughout the day as we engage in the first four paramitas, diligence, patience, ethical discipline, generosity, and so forth. It is often when we first start to meditate, we realize that when we are able to sustain a meditation practice on a daily basis, or even twice daily in the morning and in the evening, this really brings us a sense of calmness, ease, and suppleness of mind that allows us to engage in our activities with more space, more space for ourselves not to fall into the false binaries of dualistic mind, oh, this is bad, this is terrible, oh, this is great, and so forth, but to be receptive, open, and creative as we meet the various experiences of life, being responsive in a textured and even granular way as we encounter all of the various things that make up our days. The bulk of our practice, then, is often made up of this on-the-cushion, off-the-cushion combination, where the two are reinforcing one another. The more we engage in practices of generosity, ethical discipline, magnanimity, and diligence, the more primed the mind is when we sit on our cushion, chair, on our kneeling bench, whatever it may be, to meditate. Our mind settles much more easily. This is often why a cloistered retreat, a period of time when we turn off the computers, the entertainment, the news, perhaps go to a center at some distance from our home or even within our home, and concentrate solely on meditation. This is really important because it helps to lead the mind very naturally into deep meditative states, which take quite a bit of expertise to develop in the middle of a busy life. Now, that doesn't mean that we can't do anything in the middle of a busy life. We can and should do as much as we are able. It does mean, however, that at some point to deepen our dhyana practice, our practice of meditative depth, stability, and concentration, it does help to have dedicated periods of time where we focus solely on this practice. Now remember, all of these practices are supports. They are foundations, serving the purpose of the sine qua non of Buddhism, the thing that is indispensable, the precise knowing of the true nature of things as they are, which we experience through the gradual stepwise practice of pranya paramita, which we'll talk about in the next episode. For the sake of this episode, it is really important to recognize the necessary presence of dhyana as a foundation for pranya. The Buddha 
honored the practices of meditative concentration that he learned as a student from his teachers along the way, despite the fact that he ultimately came to the determination that it is only knowing, vipassana or prana, that allows us to sever the root of samsara, while that determination is the unique ingredient of the Buddha's path, that understanding that only precise knowing can directly neutralize and counteract misknowing, the ignorance of things as they are, the Buddha never departs from stressing the importance of dhyana, be it through shamatha practice, which is also known as access concentration or threshold concentration, through zazen through mindfulness, or through the practice of the jhanas themselves, there is a requisite level of calm, ease, and lucidity that is the foundation that upholds and creates space. You could say a sanctuary within which the innate knowing of mind, mind's prana, can be nurtured until it reaches the level of its transcendent perfection. This is the vital role of dhyana, all of the meditative concentration techniques in the actual path of liberation and Buddhahood. Meanwhile, dhyana also supports our everyday practice of the first four paramitas and our own wellness, healing, and transformation so that we are able to engage in our path in a skillful and wise way. Ultimately, our mind is not only healed and transformed from the harm that dualistic misperception causes, it transcends that misperception in the complete and perfect development of prana paramita all the way to jnana, non-dual wisdom, gnosis. of Jnana Paramita, the transcendent perfection of meditative concentration, we want to get into that frame of mind where we're engaging with the Dharma in a very interactive way, putting the teachings to the test in our own minds, against our own beliefs, and vice versa, putting our beliefs to the test against the framework of the Dharma and what it provides for us. So we encourage you all to take some time throughout your day just to be with these questions or whatever other questions and contemplations, investigations come up for you as you analyze and get into just what the role of meditative concentration is for you. So here are a couple of questions we can ask ourselves, just feel into the answer, or perhaps better to say, feel into the question. First off, do I see any value in settling mind in dhyana, in meditative concentration? Do I feel yearning for that meditative stability? that state of mind, of shamatha, tranquility. Explore this inwardly. Don't rush past it. 
allow yourself to be with the contemplation. If you do see value, if you do feel a yearning towards that stillness, the stability, the tranquility of mind, then ask yourself, what steps do I need to take to make the circumstances in my life more conducive to deepening and strengthening meditative concentration? In other words, how do I cultivate shamatha? How do I cultivate this tranquility meditation? Again, look at your own personal life circumstances. Be clear-sighted and precise in recognizing the effects that our time off the cushion has on our time spent on the cushion, and vice versa. How important is meditative concentration to me? If it is important, what are the conditions I need to uphold and support this worthwhile aim? The texts tend to speak of solitude, the solitude of body, speech, and mind, where we cloister ourselves away from distraction. So examine for yourself, what is the role of distraction in my daily life? What is the role of stillness in my daily life? These are just a few of the ways we can start digging into this topic of meditative concentration for ourselves. As Gampoba succinctly puts it in The Ornament of Precious Liberation, when body and mind are both secluded, distractions will no longer arise. And once free of distraction, one can enter into meditative concentration. This is Yeshe and Zopa for Prajna Sparts. Be sure to join us every month on a new and full moons for fresh episodes. Shivni is our Tibetan singing bowl artist. Stay tuned now for a guided meditation with Lama Yeshe. Thanks for the generosity of giving us your time today to like, subscribe, share, or, or review Prajna Sparks. It really does help us to spread the gift of Dharma to new listeners. If you have any questions, contact us via email, Instagram, or Facebook. Check the episode notes for those links and for more resources on today's topic. Visit us on the web at prajnafire.com or follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Prajna Sparks. Thank you for listening. May all beings benefit. Hello, dear ones. To begin, just allow the body to arrive in this place. Take a few breaths. Get comfortable. Let any knots, physical, mental, or otherwise, loosen and release. Give yourself the time to set up an inner sanctuary for this beautiful practice and allow the breath to settle in its own natural rhythm with a few breaths. As with any shamatha practice, 
we can consider that the acts involved are acts of fine-tuning mind's attentional balance. In doing so, we invoke three energies of mind, recollection, vigilance, and heedfulness. Recollection simply means to collect and then recollect the mind upon the meditation object, be it the breath or a sound or perhaps no object at all. It is simply remembering that our attention is placed in a certain way, that it is directed in this fine-tuning of mind's attentional balance. Even as that recollection is placed and sustained, another energy of mind called vigilance is, as it sounds, watching that recollection. It is softly vigilant. Traditional example is like a shepherd on a grassy field, sitting under a tree perhaps, and softly looking out over the sheep as they wander slowly here and there. Vigilance doesn't interfere with recollection, but it watches and remains alert to wavering away from the object, perhaps intensifying of the attention that creates a proliferation of thoughts or excessive release of the attention that creates an implosion into sleep or dullness. Then the third energy, heedfulness, recalls the mind when vigilance is aware that the attention has wandered outwardly or inwardly. Heedfulness follows on vigilance by recollecting the mind once again and placing it on the object of the meditation. Oftentimes, when we stray from our attention, we forget that we're meditating and get lost in thought or sleep or whatever it may be, we become upset with ourselves. But actually, that's a really wonderful moment. It's wonderful that you notice that you've wandered. Most of the time, we don't notice at all. That noticing is itself awareness. It's itself something to embrace and to encourage and rejoice in. No need to berate ourselves. Rather, celebrate that we've noticed and then allow heedfulness to bring the mind back into recollection and vigilance to continue its observation. Notice these energies whenever you stray from the meditation object. Yet another quality of balance is right within that description of what shamatha is, attentional balance between mind's natural stillness and natural lucidity. Feel your way into it as though you're making your way into a dark room, touching here and there to know which way to go next. Feel into the stillness. Lean into that. Feel into the lucidity. Lean into that. This allows you to counteract any agitation with stillness or any dullness with lucidity. Bringing recollection, vigilance, and heedfulness to the foreground. 
and finding that still point of stillness and lucidity, even if only for a moment. Sustain recollection, first on the field of the body in its entirety, with any tactile sensations arising in that space from moment to moment, releasing distraction and without grabbing or trying to pin anything down, allowing the sensations to come and go for about a minute. Now gently open your eyes, only a little bit. This is very typical of Mahamudra Shamatha practice. The eyes are half opened and the gaze rests in the space in front of us, just very softly and generally. Keep the eyes open and soft. Allow any blinking or breathing to occur naturally. Now, even as you retain the half-open gaze of the eyes, allow the mind to turn inward to the interior landscape and release any of the five physical senses that may be coming to you. This is not a rejection of the senses, not a diminishment, just a time away as you turn inward. In directing the attention to the interior landscape, it may help to bring up an image, sound within the mind, such as a word or phrase, the sensation of the breath, any kind of interior experience, emotions, thoughts, just to direct the attention inwardly. Inevitably, the thought, the image, the sound, whatever it may be, disappears. Let it go and let the attention remain in the space left behind.
From there, notice the next mental event that occurs. Not grasping, not getting caught up, watching it arise, stay a while and cease. Simply observe. Remain with body and mind relaxed, the breath flowing effortlessly and naturally, sustaining recollection through the operation of vigilance and heedfulness, aware of the space of mind in anything that arises, stays, and ceases within that. No need to identify or label anything. No need to stop or encourage anything. Simply be with whatever occurs in mind. Should you become agitated or excited, thoughts moving outwardly or getting caught up in inward content, let go. Relax and breathe more deeply and continue to observe. Should you fall into dullness or lethargy, rouse the body and the breath, imagining the spine moving upward, holding the body as a mountain, stretching imperceptibly towards the sun. Rest like an ocean free of waves. Rest like a cloudless sky, rest like a mountain, so still.
please share all of the merit, all of the positivity, onward leading momentum that drives us to liberation and Buddhahood with all beings, such that having attained omniscience through this merit, we may liberate all beings from this ocean of suffering that is samsara, turbulent with its waves of birth, aging, illness, and death. Thank you for all you do.